you would be enthusiastic about staying at your job if you were really happy. I think that's part of the problem is that we keep doing the same thing. Putting our teammates first, putting our team first as individuals, making sure that we show how caring we are as a, a group. We've always had the philosophy that employees should be looking at the culture fit. And we as organizations should look at the culture fit as well. For flexibility for someone's job, what you are actually saying is, I trust, I value you, not just as an employee at our company, but you also have value as an individual. Welcome to The Human Factor, where we talk people, culture, and resources for humans. After graduating college with an engineering degree, Sharon took over the family business, growing it from 35 to 180 employees. Today, he and his family operate the highest tech warehouse in America. Thank you again for tuning in, watching, listening, riding a bike, walking a dog, whatever you're doing in the world. Thanks again for tuning in to The Human Factor. I am your host, Cole Evans, Marketing Officer of WorkZynga. I am really excited, as always. Uh, I want to jump into my conversation today with Sharon Calva. Sharon's the president of C-Master, of C-Store Masters, I'm sorry. Uh, most people, Sharon, I think you would probably agree, have no clue what C-Store Masters is. And so we're going to educate our audience today what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Fantastic. I'm excited to be on and excited for our conversation as well. That's awesome, man. Well, again, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Um, Let's tell our audience a little bit, both in YouTube and in the podcast world, what is C-Store Master? What is your role there? What do you guys do? Yeah, uh, Seaster Master is a family-owned distribution company for uh, convenience stores, uh, uh, little segments of the grocery stores, tobacco shops, um, all all kinds of uh, your local corner stores. Um, So yeah, we are uh, we're in about thirty-six states. We serve over ten thousand convenience stores. Um, Wow! You know, some of your largest chains in the country to your your mom and pop bodega up north or your normal uh, convenient corner convenience store here down in the south. We're everywhere. We we supply a range of products, um, everything from your Tylenol to tobacco. We do it all from your beverages. Uh, we we have about 5,000 odd SKUs that we, we supply and it's sometimes we supply a majority of the items in the convenience store. Maybe we do a small subset of 200. Our real motto is solving solving a problem. If there's a problem, there's a solution, and we we try to get our business through solving those problems. Um, I think we're about seven years old as a company. It started off as a you know startup. Um, just some background and you know the, how how it got started was uh, sure. our two founders were. Um, in the convenience stores uh, space themselves. They owned about 50 odd stores between them and their friends. Uh, and they said, hey, we don't have a distributor that really that we like or can meet our needs. Um, let's start off as a secondary distributor. You know, we add, you know, we on top of our primary distributor to fill those gaps. So the primary distributor um, is 
some of the largest companies in, in America, they're 30 billion. There's some of these companies that are 30 billion in revenue. Um, then the small, small, tiny distributors are your mom and pop distributors, which are very agile, give you good service, but they don't have that supply chain bandwidth. So the big companies are, you know, uh, very set in their way and the smaller guys don't have the capability. And so how do we bridge that gap is, you know, and how do we solve problem was the question. And the answer was C-Store Master. Um, C-Store stands for convenience stores. So it's a uh, common, everyone's like, what, what does C-Store Master mean? Right. <laughs> yes, C-Store, convenience store master, really. Um, but yeah, we've had an incredible run um, through the last seven odd years. Uh, we opened first, where you know, little distribution center was a six thousand square foot, um, yeah, a lot in a spot in a tiny strip mall, um, and so we, you know, Huntsville is very interesting to us because it's a constant reminder of where we came from. Um, yeah, sure. We went from six thousand to uh, thirty-five thousand, then on to uh, hundred thirty-five thousand square foot warehouse. So something really unique is we get to see, you know, where we came from, where we're going, and a unique story about Huntsville and us is we've chose to st- stick it out in Huntsville. We chose to not move far from our first spots too. Even the second spot from our first spot, first where building was maybe about four miles. Now the second spot, third spot is only another four or five miles from um, from where we first got started. So it is all in the same area, and we've had people with us since day one. So that's uh, and that's our main reason behind why we are in Huntsville and why we're in sure. So let me ask you a couple of questions, uh, Sharon, about the people there. So I'm seeing on LinkedIn, it looks like, and it, obviously it only shows the ones that are, you can actually connect into LinkedIn. So it shows that you're about eight employees. Is that a true number? Uh, we we definitely have more uh, more employees. I don't think. Yeah, that uh, was the only thing that LinkedIn was counting. What's your employee count now? So, I mean, uh, uh, between, you know, our uh, warehouse staff and everyone, we have about 180 employees. Got it. Got it. Got it. So when you started... Um, I think was it five or so years ago. Tell me what uh, what was the employee count there? You've seen it grow from what to what? So yeah, I mean, um, four fourish years ago is when I got first involved with. You know, I was there when they first started, but I was I was in school. Um, I went to Auburn. I'm an industrial engineer, so just you know, I I love supply chain, and that's yeah. always been my love. So I got involved early on and gave me some great experience. But right after school, I went off, and then ended up coming back four years ago. Um, when I came back, um, so we we were, I think we're sitting around 30, 35 employees. Okay. Uh, uh, and now we, we're obviously about 180 with our entire um, team members in multiple warehouses in multiple states. Um, yeah, which is, we, we've had uh, pretty much a 10, almost a 12x revenue growth in the last four odd years. So wow. uh, I think it's- What do you attribute that to, Sharon? So I think the answer to that is understanding what we, um, knowing, like having a define, uh, de- having a defining strategy, right? To do that, you need to understand what's good, what you're good at, what the yeah. market wants, and kind of really playing to your strengths, right? Um, we did not want to be a primary distributor. That's something we thought about. We did not want to be a third tier distributor who couldn't really uh, uh, fit in. So we had to create our own segment of the market and uh, it's worked really well for us. So understanding that fit and another huge component for us is technology. Uh, Technology is essential. I say 
technology, people, and strategy. Um, a fun fact about us is we had a software team before we've even had our rack up in our warehouse, even in the small 6,000 square foot uh, fulfillment center. So uh, I think that shows the DNA of the company of how we're focused in on technology. And we use that as a you know catalyst to fuel growth and fuel also fuel our, give us you know tools to solve problems with uh, and really do that at scale. Um, so, I mean, technology, and again, we have people who've been there since day one. And so people, technology, and knowing what you're good at, and I think strategy ties everything in together. So that's that's what we've done well, and that's why uh, we've been able to grow. So, Sharon, I've got a timeline. I'm a very uh, visual person. So I've got a timeline. Four years ago, uh, still leaves three years of the company starting, right? Any startup we all know, as I am comfortably situated in a startup right now, the first three years are full of energy, lots of things going on, but also huge deliverables, right? You have to prove yourself to your team. You have to prove the, 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 the model to the market, right? You have to actually get someone to pay for your product or service. Tell our audience a little bit about Sharon's first come into the business, right? So uh, family members started the company, right? So you knew you had some inherent knowledge about what in the world was going on or what the family member had created. So you came into it. Tell our audience a little bit about what even three years. I still think there's a subculture element there of three years. Tell us a little bit about the makeup of the team when you got there with the 35 people that were already there estimated um, and what that was like for you, you know, uh, bluntly fresh out of college. And now you're managing. I mean, right out of college, 35 employees is a huge lift aside from now taking on the family business. Tell Give our audience a little bit of a of a visual of what that was like in your world. Mm -hmm. A little bit of correction, actually. I went to school at Auburn, industrial engineering, then I went off to work for a Fortune 500 medical technology company in supply chain for about two years. And then I came back. Got it. Uh, and um, I think every step was really important to uh, give me different pieces of puzzle, which helped everything fit to together. Sure. But, you know, from when it got started, so I've been being a, being a family business, right? I got involved very early on, even though I wasn't working. I was aware of what's going on. I would always go to like uh, shows and kind of understand the market, talk to people. Um, seven years ago, when they got started too, I, I you know I would always sit in on calls, even though I didn't need to, just to kind of learn. I mean, I I, I was passionate about it for one, um, and so the three years was quite essentially. Um, we had, we, we were, we were doing well. Sometimes we were not doing well. Sometimes we've learned some tough lessons, um, and kind of, we, to an extent, we understood what we were kind of good at, what we weren't and what some are the big mistakes we should avoid. I think you'll, we survived long enough yeah, yeah, yeah. critical lessons. I would say in the first three years, I think the real advantage for us has always been technology and people. And so we would do things very efficiently um, and also be agile enough to learn from a mistake or learn something new or want to deploy a new feature. We, you know, the cycle to do that is very short in our, our business. So uh, the way we, we built it, I think that was critical and that was already there. Um, the first three, you know, three years, I think that was, as I say, these are all like critical tools that were already there. Uh, and we've, you know, it's a constant process of figuring it out. But when I came back in, um, kind of 
my strat my strength is strategy is around kind of being able to look from a 30,000 foot perspective and see kind of where things fit in and so on. So we and the great combination is as I like to say, say um, um, the two partners are Satish and Sandy. Satish is the soul of the company. He knows everyone. He knows the customers. He's he's done. You know, he he knows them by their name. Like he knows everything about them. He knows everyone, all the team members personally. That's great. He's a soul. Right. Sandy's incredible. Again, Sandy's incredible with execution. He's also very talented. He's our CEO, but he's an incredibly incredible developer and product. Uh, um, you know product manager. So he's sure. very good. He took the majority of the product development on his plate. And so when I came in, kind of what direction are we going? Instead of being, you know, reactive, how do we, you know, be proactive and really have a strategic plan? Um, we made a couple of acquisitions, which were, you know, ROI was three months um, where we, you know, it was almost, you know, uh, distressed assets we purchased and kind of, we found a formula that worked and then that really fueled our growth. And from then on, it has been, how do you take a small company? So, you know, three years in, not a lot of set processes in place, you know, as a startup, you know, you make things work, people wearing multiple hats, but as you're scaling, one of my first, uh, you know, kind of tasks was how, how do we look at, you know, the next five years, you know, what does that look like? What do we do to get there and right. start building these certain processes or as, you know, a talent pool? Uh, what does the culture look like? We really didn't have a mission until, uh, or, you know, or what our company values were. Um, I mean, until I stepped in and we, you know, we all started having these conversations on it, like what next? And I'm like, you know, one of the first questions was what makes that the next step? You know, who are we as the company? What do we want to do? And I mean, as a family owned company, you get a lot of, a lot of control. So it's our advantage. So why not have a very clear direction where we tell every, my, you know, the company I used to work for before had an incredible culture where everyone knew the mission and value of the company. So I wanted to bring that back into Seastar Master. So, Taking on steps like that, having those conversations and, you know, really knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at, and then playing to that was really the next step uh, of going from there to where we are now and then going into uh, the next five years. So that that's kind of, and I, I say this is so important because, you know, people see our brand new warehouse, which is robotic. Um and, you know, we, it's state of the art and probably the best in class if, if in our industry or in, in the industry in general, um, if, across multiple industries. But kind of one fun fact for us is that it did not start off as a robotics or automation project. It started off as Huntsville has incredible, uh, like a very low unemployment rate in general. So tough labor market. Um, and. So what we thought early on to is we need good people. We want to create the best atmosphere for people. For high-tech staff, we want we want a building and a space which can attract the high-tech, you know, high technology, uh, people, you know, people working on like uh, software and robotics and vision. And at the same time, we wanted a, a facility where our frontline staff should not be walking. Uh, the more priority was on the frontline staff. Sure. So we're not trying to get rid of people through robots. We're just trying to make 
you know, the process and their life easier. Uh, we did not want them to walk 10 miles. We wanted the products to come to them. We wanted it to be ergonomical. We wanted it to be air conditioned. Um, there's a general good area where they can, you know, have more space. Um, so we we want we were thinking about our people first, and then the answer to that was using technology and this automation, building a brand new facility from scratch. We could have taught, we could have taken a building that was ready and then put robots in it, but I think we built it with intentionally from the ground up. And it was a lot of learning lessons too, where, you know, oh, we did, sure. right. We didn't. So that, that's the kind of where we ended up at. So that, that kind of shows our DNA of how important people are to our company. That's right. And, and I'll tell you this year. Yeah. I apologize. I know we have a little bit of a lag, but I, um, I it's, it's always um, nice is the word I'll use when I'm in conversations uh, with people just like yourself. I'm, I'm immediately uh, drawn back to my conversation with Janet Stovall at Neuroleadership Institute, where she is the head of DEI. I'm thinking about my conversation with Rachel Thomas at Bridgestone Americas, companies that are growing their companies by people while still being efficient, right? So in the DEI example with Janet Stovall, we talked a lot about DEI and the practice of inclusion versus the headcount of, uh, of diversity, if you will. Uh, with Rachel and, and people that consume our content have heard us say this a couple of times because you know they're right here in our backyard as well. Um, you know, uh, Bridgestone Americas has a huge tower downtown. Their headquarters are here. They just announced maybe a month, month and a half ago at this point that they were dropping 100,000 square feet of office space in that tower. And at the same time, they're, they're hiring. I hear you saying uh, a correlated story, right? 36,000 square feet, 35,000, 135,000 square foot, uh, state-of-the-art warehouse, all robotics. And you have seen uh, uh, two plus X uh, um, uh, doubling, if you will, of your employee count in just a few years. So I'm seeing similarities that uh, people do come first and robots in this example, but robots don't equal uh, less people, right? Yeah, we can afford to pay people better. Um, and, you know, we believe that, you know, you, you, we. I personally believe that if the people are happy. If our, our employees are happy, our team members are happy, that translates all the way down to our customers. And I think that that's a quintessential value that our company holds. And so that that's the that's that's what we want is we we want our people happy uh, and we want our customers happy. And I think there's mm -hmm. an absolute correlation between that. So Sharon, I've got a couple of questions. They, I, I, this is one of those conversations that could just keep going. I'm really appreciating your time. Uh, and uh, intention here. So thank you very much for spending some time with our community and letting us peek behind the curtains a little bit of C-Store Masters. Tell our audience a little bit about, I have two questions. Uh, number one is, tell our audience a little bit about when it comes to, um, I think if you say accounting, people immediately starting start figuring out in their brain what they perceive the accountant to look like. And so they can pretty much visualize what the room of accounting people look like. If I say construction workers, you can immediately, right, wrong, or indifferent. Janet Stovall says, if you have a brain between your ears, you have bias. Now, how do you manage it, right? So tell our audience a little bit about what C-Store Masters makeup is and what you guys are doing when it comes to diversity for your group, you go from 35 people, family-owned business, just a couple of people getting it started, scaled to 35 people, now 180 employees. Talk to us about your conversations internally, Sharon, when it comes to the diversity of the makeup of that team. 
Yeah. So, I mean, when we first started, again, we didn't know it was going to succeed or not. So we basically found the people that were around us, honestly. Uh, some were contacts, some were acquaintances, and they joined in. Um, and, you know, it was not a very diverse group of people. It, uh, and we're still working on our, you know, um, our our entire progress we have a you know we we want to get better we you know we value everybody's working on it sharon you're yeah. in the majority i assure you <laughs> so uh especially coming from a family you know we knew it's all the people we knew so it was just us hiring right off the bat but as we continue to grow it 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 it's a focus for us and we realized that um we focused it on in different groups actually uh there's for, if you want to break down an entire company it is our leadership and management, uh, uh, management staff. Then there's the delivery uh, delivery side of it, fulfillment side of it. And then there's the sales side of it. Um, if you focus right off sales, you know, we have one of the most diverse customer bases, period. Because if you look at your corner store, you you know, you have a lot of immigrants. You have, we, we deal with the probably the widest range of uh, customers, uh, with all the areas that we serve. So one is we, we need a pretty diverse group of people to understand, relate with them. And then also sure. for us to, you know, uh, incorporate that as well. So we have about nine uh, nationalities, different ethnicities, uh, uh, you know, part of our company. And um, first focus was sales, sales staff. So first frontline customer focus, uh, focusing people, um, team members were the sales in one way, um, we're we're proud and we have a lot to go on, but we're almost at parity um, with uh, male and female, which is which is in our industry that is not common. Um, when we started, it was probably ninety two percent to eight percent. Wow, it's a female. Yeah, and and I think it all starts with one simple step. It is showing someone that's doing a good job, and and let that there be a spotlight on them so when you know when i you know i i want to get into a job i have to know that people like me can do it i'm i might be confident in myself but if it there's a lot of unknowns it's it's a little daunting so one was just putting that spotlight showing that um as a company we care for it um, sure. and then we had some you know our team members are all stars and really it, i think it's very organic it I, I personally view it as a very organic next step. And it it really, we set the right vision. It, it happened organically where we weren't like, go hire this person, this person. It's the culture understood, the people the people understood that they got the culture, was ingrained in the culture. And that it, it, the piece of, again, as I say, I like to use this phrase a lot, the piece of the puzzle started fitting in. So that's right. And, and I think that's the biggest step across the board. That's one area that we're, we, you know, we've done a better job at it. We, again, there's some categories where we're just going to have a hard time, um, uh, but we're still going to focusing on focus on that. So uh, they're inherent, you know, for example, delivery, uh, uh, delivery. I mean, it's just that people don't want, that's not a job that people apply for again. Uh, we do we do have members as delivery as well so it there are a lot of lessons that we're learning along the way where um is it because that you know we're not making it a um it's not a is is there a certain higher threshold or tolerance or there's certain things that prevent people from applying even from our our leadership team our our first team member 
uh, when we started the company, it was a lady named Karuna. She's the she's our vice president of administration. She is, you know, she again, she is the person who has has been there from day one, and she we believe she's also the soul of the company. So uh, I mean, like the point is. My my job and our leadership team's job is not to step in every in every in the middle every single day or every single week. Right, it is to be the north star and say, "Hey, these are my values. These are my missions. Uh, this is my what we're trying to do." And hope everyone understands it. Put the right people at the job, and it will come naturally and organically with with the mindset that you have to improve continuously. Sharon, you bring up such a good point. I'll tell you, you are the thirteenth. Uh, podcast episode and so um, for the human factor and um, I will tell you from mom and pops much smaller than you to you know uh, top fortune 100 uh, companies that we're having the opportunity to speak with um, the forward thinking and and the the way you're speaking about it I think is very authentic and it, it comes out in in your narrative if you will um, I also think for those listening and watching the human factor, can immediately put themselves in their managerial position, in their ownership position, and thinking about maybe even uh, even uh, a succession planning for handing over their businesses. I think lots of little bite-sized pieces of conversations like this, in my opinion, get people thinking. And they immediately, I think we all inherently can put ourselves in these individual things if we're connecting with the content and go, wow, you know, I, I haven't really been thought about it like that. Um, I will tell you, we have a team member that uh, knows uh, the big tobacco business very well. And I mentioned as soon as the confirmation come across that we had you confirmed and that uh, we would be interviewing Sharon with C-Store Masters. And I immediately got feedback from this individual and they said, C-Store Masters is like top of the tier. They've got it figured out. They're doing it the right way. And this is, this is an individual I'll tell you has over two decades uh, in the industry. And so I, I salute you and, and your team for all that you're doing. And so again, for those that are listening on All Places Podcast, you're watching us on YouTube, wherever and whenever you are in the world. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we are having a conversation today with Sharon Calva, president of C-Store Masters. If you want to connect with Sharon and see what is going on with C-Store Masters, all the links, I always point down, it doesn't matter what video you're on, the content's below. Uh, click on all the links, connect with Sharon, check out their website, serving over 7,000 customers in 36 states and growing. I am really excited to see more images of the inside of the state-of-the-art facility. Uh, thanks again, Sharon, for joining us today, talking about your team, the growth of your team, what you guys have going on, and the uh, the, the love for the great state of Hunt, uh, for Alabama. I really uh, like that you guys have stayed there true and true. Um, again, you're listening to Human Factor or you're watching on YouTube. If you have not, please, I do ask for 45 seconds of your life and hit the subscribe button and leave us a comment. If you like this conversation or anything about it, leave us a comment. Those two simple acts help our podcast reach so many other people. Having a defined strategy and leading with technology. I really, really like that. Sharon, thank you so much for your time and making some, um, some space here for our community. Thank you, Cole. Thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you.